to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed, a podcast for bold female leaders making bold moves. I'm your host, Devin A. Thaxton, founder and CEO of Pro Savvy Strategic Performance Agency. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed. In this episode, we have the founder of 304 Coaching, Jennifer Thornton. Jennifer is a sought-after business strategist specializing in startups and large value-based organizations. She assists her clients in building talent strategies that complement their business strategies to ensure exponential growth. Jennifer developed her expertise in talent strategy and leadership professional development during over her 20-plus year career as an HR professional. She's led international teams across greater China, Mexico, the UK, and the US to expand into new markets, managing franchise retailers, and developing key strategic partnerships, all while exceeding business objectives and financial results. Hi, Jennifer. Hello, and thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for for joining. Okay, HR. So not just HR, but a lot of things. So I think a lot of people, when they're thinking of HR, they're like, you know, you go into a room and there's someone like sitting across the table or in charge of the thing, maybe finger wagging, maybe super boring training videos, which are all important. And we need all of those things. But tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you serve your clients. So I have a unique look at HR and are there people out there that do all those things? Unfortunately, absolutely. But I started my career on the operations side of the business. So I've always looked at your talent as a way to deliver the business results. If you have all of these business goals and all of these ambitions, if you don't have the right people around you, you don't lead them correctly, then none of that can come true. And so I've always looked at HR as a strategy. It's a talent strategy and looking at that talent strategy. And that's how I work with my clients today. It is what are your business objectives What do we need to do to make those come true? And I know all of us were taught how to make, you know, business plans and all the financials and how are you going to do all of this? But nowhere do they ever say, what's your talent strategy? And that is the only way of making that business objectives, those business plans come to life is through the people. Yeah. So when you say talent, talent strategy, what's your talent, what do you you know, saying in that, like explain that a little bit more. So there's a lot in there. Uh, You know, it's a lot of different spices to make the sauce, I guess. Um, You know, you have to start with what your company culture is, how you want to work with each other. You have to start to decide who you hire, why you hire them, how will those individuals work together? That's more important than ever today because people have different expectations around in-person, remote and blended working styles. So if you have a strong opinion of this is how we'll always work together, then you've got to look for people who want to work that way. So there's all of those types of things. Then it goes into how do you continuously develop people and how do you ensure that everyone on your team is able to contribute. They feel good. They're able to contribute with innovation and and really do it without fear and be able to think or be able to know that they're making a difference every single day. And that's why people stay at jobs. They want to do good work and they want to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how have you seen hiring practices on both ends being, you know, the, the person coming in, the employee employer switch over the last three years. I feel like it's been a major 
or would assume <laughs> there's been a major shift in maybe what people are looking for and who they're wanting to work for, and then also the types of people that they want to bring in. So we've definitely seen a switch over the last two to three years. Those switches were coming. Those were noises that we were starting to hear. It was a hand forced because of our situation with COVID. And so all of the things that people were really wanting, but maybe afraid to ask or didn't know how it would work, or we had leaders who thought it wouldn't work. And guess what? It does work. Mm. Um, and so all of those things started to happen in a way that was out of necessity, but oftentimes out of necessity, you find new ways of working that are incredibly productive and really allows you to create a workforce that's important to you. I think the other thing that is coming to fruition and a lot of leaders either aren't understanding it or aren't necessarily excited about adapting it or hadn't thought about it is really looking more at your workforce as not all full-time employees. Oftentimes we think, well, we need three full-time employees. We'll just say the word, yes, just three. But then, but there's enough work that's unique that you really need like seven or eight different experts. And so if you hire three people and they can do one or two things, but you're asking them to do three or four things that they don't know how to do, they are no good at it. So half the time they're disappointing themselves and you. That happens too often. And so really starting to look at who needs to be full-time. Maybe you have someone that's a contractor or someone part-time and starting to look at your workforce in a lot more of a um, creative lens and thinking about the work in a new way so that you can find the people to do it and, and the success is there. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I think everyone can relate to a time when you're working, you're wearing too many hats and the hats you really shouldn't be wearing, <laughs> you have no business wearing, or it's, it's too much to take on, or even stuff that you don't, you just don't like doing, you know? And so I like that there's more encouragement for the, you know, the, for leadership to bring on strategic people working in, in their, in their genius, you know, working in there. Of course, there's got to be room for flexibility and take on different things, depending on what's going on with, with the business. But I really like to see like that culture, that culture shift that's, that seems to be happening. And there's people out there now that are working for themselves or they're um, working on a contract basis. So would we have always liked to done that? Maybe so, but there wasn't people that really had the, uh, the ability to maybe have three different people they worked for, but only did what they were good at. Right. But because right. so many people are taking the opportunity to do a, you know, a single entrepreneur or a contract work, it again, opens up all this flexibility that we've never had before, you know, between technology through, you know, forcing our hand of just, you know, economy and yeah. things that are going on around us. There's all these new ways of looking at work that we've never been able to think about in the, in the past. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned just also one thing you mentioned was creating a culture where people feel like they can take ownership in their positions and then also maybe communicate any changes or anything like that. Like how have you, I mean, how, how do you coach your, your teams to kind of foster that type of environment? Oh, it's such a great question. One of the things that we've been taught through quote unquote, best practices of leadership, yeah. it's very fear-based. I own the, I own the information. I own the power. 
you will either make me happy or you will disappoint me. And it's this, this idea that leadership is this very top heavy. If you don't do a good job, you'll lose your job. This fear base where we can't, we have to be perfectionist all the time and straight A students or we're in trouble. And there's a lot of reasons why that is and why that's kind of happened over the history of leadership. But what happens is that creates a lot of fear in your employees. And it's the fear of failure, the fear of not wanting to try something new because it might not be good, the fear of getting in trouble. There's all this fear that we have in the workplace. But what we have to know is from a neurological standpoint, the more fear you're in, the less access you have to your prefrontal cortex, which is where all the good stuff happens, your innovation, your emotional control, your problem solving. And so as a leader, if you're installing fear through the way you lead or the language, then you're closing down people's ability to be innovative and problem solve and really enjoy their job. And so too often we have people who through our language have told people, I don't want to hear your new ideas. Like they shoot them down all the time. And so then all of a sudden they're complaining, no one's bringing me new ideas anymore. No one shares anything with me anymore. And I'm like, well, that's because you've taught them that that's not a good idea. And so it's just so much out there that we don't necessarily always think about, but if you want a team that's sharing their ideas, they're sharing their opinions, they're really engaged, then you have to learn how to lead without fear. Yeah. How would you, you know, cause I think, I think a majority of leaders, you know, they didn't choose or sought out to be that type of leader. You know, something happened too many balls were dropped, stress, fear, all the traumas that we all have, right. That lead us to like, not the best behaviors that we don't even want to own. So like, what are some maybe, you know, tips, tricks, tools that you encourage for these types of leaders who are like, I don't want to be like this, but I can't stop. Like how, how, how would you encourage them to, yeah, to kind of shift that culture within their team to allow for more collaborative communication? The first thing you have to do is you have to deal with your own fear. We are fear-based animals. We're always going to have a sense of fear and that's okay because that's, that's how we were built. But as a leader, if you're not managing your own fear, then you can't lead in a fearless environment. As long as you are, you have your personal fear, it's going to come out of you. And just like you said, sometimes someone feels like too many balls were dropped. And so now they're like really clamping down on things. Yeah. Cause they're in fear that it's going to be wrong or they're in fear. They're going to get in trouble because their team didn't do it right. And so that's the first piece of it is really checking your own fear and say, what am I fearful of? Why am I telling myself these stories that things are going to go wrong? Maybe it did go wrong. And so this time it needs to go right. So for it to go right, what has to be done differently? So instead of being upset or on people really come at it from, well, we know it doesn't work because last time it did not go well. Mm -hmm. So now this time let's talk about it going right. And let's talk about what it would take for it to go right. Just by changing your language of what would it take for this to go right changes the chemicals in your mind. If you walked in and said, last time we got this wrong, so we can't get it wrong this time. Everyone better get it together. Everyone's like, okay. Or if you say, (laughs) Hey, let's, let's like, like if we wanted, if this was to happen and it was, we were to pull this off with just amazing success, what would we have to do to make that happen? You can see that just those slight language changes makes a difference 
work is the same, but how we interpret that and how we respond to it and our level of innovation changes completely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Going into a space that is changing that mindset open for success can just like change the energy within yourself, of course, and and everyone in the room. So they're already starting in a space of like, yes, it's all going to go right. And if things go wrong, you know, we'll figure it out because we know how to, but not already, I guess, calling that, that in before it even starts, you know? Yeah. Which totally, totally makes sense. So for those who are maybe on the other end, out looking for jobs, wanting to align a little bit more in their, you know, their own personal morals, ethics, the type of workplace they want to be in, what, you know, any of those things, what are some um, things that you would share with them to maybe help them either identify if, if a business is right for them or even how to beef up their resume, if there's any changes that have happened, you know, in the last few years, like how would you suggest preparing them to, to showcase their talents better? So I think there with two things. So one, if you're trying to find um, a company that fits you and how you want to work, because you can do the same job in three different companies. And even though the job descriptions are exactly the same, it is three very different jobs because yeah. of how that company works. Yeah. So one of the questions I like to teach people to ask their potential supervisor is tell me about your best relationship at work and why does it work and what makes it work? Not a question most people get asked. So yeah. they're not going to have a stock answer. They're, right. That person's going to have to think. And they'll you'll start to see what they expect. What do they expect around people? Is it, you know what, we have a great relationship because we've always been honest with each other. Is it, we have a great relationship because, you know, we can depend on each other. You start to learn what's important to that leader. And then you start to decide, is that how you want to work? Is that what you want? You can also ask a question around, tell me about a difficult relationship you have and why is it difficult? And then you can start to see the differences of what that person person does well and what that person doesn't. If they talk about a difficult relationship and they say, well, gosh, they're always just, you know, they're always just trying to change things or come up with something new. And it just sometimes gets noisy. Well, maybe that person doesn't like change. That person doesn't like, you know, things to be different. Guess what? If you're a big person into change, that's not the right boss for you. Yeah. So I think that's the piece is really talking to this potential employer. It is a relationship. You have to interview them from a relationship standpoint, because that's when you do your good work. Now to showcase your talents and to make sure that you feel um, good going into an interview. One of the things I like to think about is what value do you bring to the organization? Now we get asked that all the time, but I want to think about it in a deeper way. So for example, if someone is highly creative when it comes to problem solving, then what they are worth and what they bring to the table is the ability to manage change, the ability to look for alternative solutions when things are difficult. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this exercise you do in your head, like what do I bring to the table, but what is that worth to an organization? And then when you go into the interview, your mind's going to know what you're worth and you're going to have all those ideas top of mind to discuss when the interview starts to go. Yeah. I really, I really like that. The, the kind of more challenging questions to, to the employer, I feel like that could get a little spicy and, and provocative and just really like showcase some like 
Ooh, like I don't, I don't love that. That even that's triggering maybe something in me, you know, something I've experienced in the past that you may not find out until like six months down the line, or something on the flip end, like something that you realize that you really need in a leader that maybe again you didn't experience in the past, or something, or something you know that helps you to grow past where you're at that you find to be really helpful and encouraging. You know, yeah, I really, I really like that. So you talk a little bit about the talent cliff. If I have that correct, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the talent cliff, this happens all too often, especially in new companies, startups, fast growing organizations, that kind of collective group. So what happens is when there is a new idea and someone's going to sell a new service or a widget, they come up with this idea and it gets off the ground and starts going. And typically it can get off the ground and start going really quickly. If it's a fast growing company, it's because the people who are starting the organization, those first people are heavy hitters. They're people who are experts in what they do and their skill set is more than what the business may need at that time. You know, maybe they have the ability to come up with the idea and, you know, they're still in their first phases. So the, the counting's not difficult or you're not leading a ton of people. There's things that just aren't difficult. And so they're able to get going. Well, then all of a sudden it takes off and they're like, oh, well now I've got to make sure that my supply chain is this and my pricing's this. And they start really focusing in on the business. So it continues to grow. But what happens too often and what creates the talent cliff is that we focus 100% on the service or the widget and not the talent that's going to deliver it. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden the business just takes off and now the business is at a place where the skill set of the team can no longer manage it. And I see this happen all the time. It is always heartbreaking when you see a business out pace the skill set of the people that are running it. And when that happens, typically the leaders go into fear because they're like, what am I going to do? And they get upset with everyone and it's everyone's fault. And then when fear sets in, we're also highly directive. So we're shutting down new ideas and innovation. Your best people will not work underneath that and they will start to leave. And as your best people start to leave your organization, your cells are right behind it and everything goes off the cliff and um, your business typically falls off with it. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. It happens all the time and it's heartbreaking, just so heartbreaking because if we put as much work into our teams and creating our the team that is always their skill sets always a smidge higher than what the business needs. That's how you grow. But when the business needs are higher than the skills, you'll, it'll just crash the company. I like that. I was, yeah. Having people, yeah. That are a little bit forward thinking, forward working skill set and prepared for that. Yeah. So what other tips would you give for, for businesses to avoid that from, from the beginning, like what type of maybe conversations in their strategic planning would you suggest for them from the beginning to avoid <laughs> that horrible cliff? I think for the leaders of that organization, they have to get really honest about what they're good at and what they are not. Mm-hmm. And even if they're okay at it, don't do it. Stay in a place where you're doing what you're the best at and you're allowing and trusting experts around you. And then as the business starts to develop, when you're putting energy into your service and that, you know, if you've put 
you know, if you're putting, you know, $50,000 one day and it's, you know, X amount of hours and you don't spend any of that money or time on your people, that's where it goes. So always have a percentage of your business that goes to development, have a culture where growing and learning is super cool. If the leaders are always talking about what they've learned or a book they read or a podcast or a conference or just, hey, I screwed this up, but then I figured it out. When the leaders talk about learning and developing and growing, that it makes it kind of cool for everyone else to also be doing that. It shows it's okay not to know it all, but we're all growing together. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of leadership you have to show up with if you want some, an innovative growth mindset team. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's uh, yeah, I, I could totally see that happening all the time and yeah, it being heartbreaking because then what do you do? You're scrambling to find people, maybe not having the, the proper mindset to find the right people. You're just trying to find someone to like fill space and then it just ends up being kind of maybe cyclical stress where things aren't handled properly. Yeah. 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 And stress, you know, feeds, you know, once you get into that stress mode, it's so hard to get out of it. it you know, it just more stress creates more stress creates more. Mm -hmm. And as an, as an organization and you're leading it, when you start to see people with that little bit of frazzle, you know, if there is smoke, there will eventually be fire. Yeah. And as soon as you start to see a little bit of a frazzle, you've got to put a pause on what's going on and really start to think about, am I got the right talent? Am I giving them the tools they need? Are they doing the right jobs and making sure that they are protected to ensure that they can deliver the business results? Yeah, definitely. What is something like in your job and in, in jobs and working with people and, and the work that you do that really just lights you up like when you're having these types of conversations or when you see these types of results and you're just like yep that's exactly why I'm doing this like share you know some of those things that happen with you oh my gosh just thinking about that lights me up yeah. um you know when I get to work with an executive or any leader at any level really and they start to wake up in the morning and feel confident and they start to notice the change in themselves and then they start to notice the change around them. You know, as individuals, when we change, we change first, but it takes a while for everyone around us to change to who we currently are, or who we're becoming. And so when you see someone who's maybe struggled with, you know, leading a team in a, you know, a difficult situation, but then all of a sudden a difficult situation shows up and they don't go into fear. They go into solutions and innovation and helping that team get through it. And they are able to get through it. I think, you know, as an executive coach, that's what lights me up when I see people achieving their goals and feeling confident. And there's nothing worse than getting out of the bed and not feeling good about what you do. And so, you know, knowing when someone gets up and says, you know, no matter what my job will throw at me today, I can handle it. Yeah. Then I think that's great. And then the other cool thing about that is when you feel good about the work you're doing, you're better to your family, you're better to your friends, you're better to your community, you're better to yourself. And so feeling confident at work isn't just about that. It's about creating a life in which you feel better with everyone that you work around or live around. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay. So we're going to get into the speed round that I typically do at the end. These are just fun questions just to learn Ooh. a little bit more about you. Okay. So first question 
What is a book or a podcast or something that you've read over maybe the last year that like still sits with you that you really enjoyed? So it probably won't be your typical answer. It's a historical fiction book. It's called um, The Personal Librarian. Cool. And I look at historic fiction as such a great way to think about living your life in it because there always a, there's always a crisis in something someone's learned. And so I'll read a historical fiction over your typical leadership book any day. Yeah. The Personal Librarian is a true story and it is phenomenal. Cool. That's a good one. I like that. How do you take care of yourself kind of mind, body, soul? Oh, I would say I'm not great at that, but I should be better. But what I always do and never forget is to spend time with my friends and laugh and encourage each other and feel like no matter what, there's someone by my side. Yeah. I love that. Jen, I recently just won the lottery and I'm like, I have to give my friend $10,000 and a plane ticket to wherever she would like to go. Where are you going and how are you spending the money? Oh, I'm going to um, Angkor Wat in Cambodia. Oh, okay. Why there? It's on my bucket list, a place I've always wanted to go. I just seem to feel very connected to, you know, ancient Asian colonies and the, the, the history there. It's, you know, some of the oldest places in the world that humans existed. And I've just always wanted to go see Angkor Wat. Cool. And then how are you spending the 10,000? Oh, how am I going to spend it when I get there? Let's see. Well, the plane ticket, but if let's that's just included. pretend I had 10, yeah, no, let's just pretend included. I got 10,000. Yeah. Then yeah. I would, I would find local nonprofits. I would more than likely find something that would help young women be successful in their life. And mm -hmm. then I would also, cause I am a huge advocate for animal um, health. And so I would find another one that I could help around animals. I love that. Perfect. So if anyone's listening and they are like, we need your help. <laughs> Please help me with all the things. Um, where can they find you? You can find myself at 304coaching.com. You can find me on LinkedIn at Jen Thornton ACC. And then I also have a YouTube channel with lots of tips and tricks. Say this, not that to help you with the language of neuroscience. And that is at Jen Thornton 304 coaching. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. It was so great chatting with you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> to Savvy Booked and Blessed. If you are a successful six to seven figure female entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.prosavvyas.com dash podcast slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and text it to your friend or post it on the socials. If you know of someone that would be a great guest, go ahead and tag them in social media and let them know about the show and include hashtag Savvy, Book, and Blessed. I love seeing your posts and I love your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss out on any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Give your thumbs up ratings and reviews. We definitely go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me and my team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.